I'm Amelia, and you're listening to Echo the Podcast. Hi, I'm Lila Fitzgerald. I play Gulia in Monster High and Ava in Lucky Hank, which is streaming now on AMC. And my debut young adult sci-fi fantasy novel, Stars and Swashbucklers, is releasing April 4th, wherever you buy books. From a very young age, Lila Fitzgerald has been a storyteller. Whether it's bringing characters to life on TV shows like the CW's Hellcats or escaping into her own imagination. Her latest feat is giving life to the character Ava on AMC's new series, Lucky Hank. The dramedy follows Hank, played by Bob Odenkirk, an English professor in crisis. In addition to taking on the role of Ava, Lila will be stepping back into Gulia's platform heels in Monster High 2, the sequel to Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon's Monster Hit. In between telling these stories, Lila has managed to write her own. On April 4th, her debut futuristic YA fantasy novel, Stars and Swashbucklers, will hit shelves. We sat down with Lila to chat about her acting, writing, and what's next for this storyteller. Take a listen. Lila, I am so excited to have you on. You have so much exciting stuff going on. And I want to start off with Lucky Hank, which um, is a new AMC series. Can you tell me a little bit about what that series is about? Yes. So it follows Hank, who is played by Bob Odenkirk. Absolutely amazing. A professor at this small underfunded college as he kind of goes through a midlife crisis with all these students railing against him and also his home life and all the faculty and kind of how he figures out how to, you know, live his life, even though it's not the life that he had planned. And you play the role of Ava. What drew you to that role? I mean, originally what got me excited about it was um, seeing that Bob Odenkirk was attached because looking at the breakdown, seeing our producers, seeing our writers, seeing the directors, I immediately knew this is going to be an amazing TV show, even just from the audition breakdown. And I really, really am drawn to projects that feel human and feel natural and feel real. That's my favorite thing to do. So getting to do that in the audition and then managing to book the role and do it for AMC was really a dream come true for me. And a lot of people might recognize Bob Odenkirk from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. What was it like? You've been in acting for years, but I feel like as an actor, you can always grow and learn from these all these other actors. Was there anything that you took away from that experience is watching some of these talented actors work? Yeah, I think the two biggest things that I took away from Lucky Hank is definitely Bob Odenkirk's humanity and how very, very real and grounded he is in everything. Um, and Oscar Nunez is just hilarity, just always, he's always doing a bit. He's always having fun. And just the way that he finds joy in everything and just made the set a more joyful place is something that I really hope to be able to do something like that in future. Oh, absolutely. And in addition, you've worked with some big names, including Rachel McAdams and James Franco, Jeff Bridges, Julianne Moore, just to name a few. (laughs) And was there any advice that you ever got from any of them that really stuck with you? 
I mean, the biggest thing that I've noticed from all of them is um, grace and humility. None of them really acted like these huge stars that were better than the rest of us. And I think that's the big thing that I took away from all of them and what made them better on camera and better as people is that they didn't value themselves above any of the rest of the cast. They were kind. They said hello to me. They introduced themselves. All of them were very good people who didn't let fame get to their head, at least when I was meeting them. Um, and that's definitely something that I think every actor needs to learn to know is that, you know, you're going to have amazing periods in acting and you're going to have periods where you don't work for possibly years at a time. And being graceful through everything is the most important thing. I love that. I love that. And do you have a favorite memory of filming Lucky Hank? <laughs> I, I would say my favorite memory is I'm a knitter. And while I was filming Lucky Hank, the best thing to do in green rooms, because you have so much time sitting around, is knit. Because you can still, um, you know, engage in conversation with everyone, but you're doing something with your hands, so you're not just sitting there awkwardly. And I got the proportions wrong for my project. So I oh, was no. getting this gigantic sweater. It was huge yarn, huge needles. It was basically a blanket. Um, but I was almost done. And I managed to finish it on set. And Oscar Nunez actually put it on and modeled around the green room, strutting around in it, um, which was that's amazing. One of the most hilarious moments I've ever had on a set. Honestly, that sounds like something right out of the office. So it's it's perfect. It felt like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so in addition to this, you're also reprising your role as Gulia in Monster High 2. What was it like to get back into the platform heels? <laughs> painful um <laughs> sure very fun i got even higher platforms this time than i had the last time i'm, wow. I'm lucky i'm already a dancer um so compared to point shoes i was fine but it definitely was really exciting to get to see everyone again the choreography has stepped up um from the first movie and the first movie was already amazing but i think everyone our choreographers costumes hair makeup everyone just came back to the second one with even more energy thinking okay we did great on the first one let's do that again but even better <laughs> oh i'm sure and i'm sure you learned a lot from uh the first movie that's you're able to implement into the second one exactly and i think everyone cast included was able to really sink into it more and I know you can't say too much, but if you could sum up the new movie in one word, what would it be? Magical. Ooh, I can't wait to see it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you'll get the hint when you see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. In between filming, you have somehow managed to also write your debut young adult fantasy novel, Stars and Swashbucklers, which will be released on April 4th. Can you give us a brief synopsis of the book? Yes. So it takes place in a futuristic world where Earth has broken. Um, it's called the broken world. And basically now there's just islands floating between the stars and ships sail the stars like 
uh, we sail the sea right now, and there's privateers that search for mystical relics. And so we're focusing on Anya Markox, who is an average 16-year-old girl who wants nothing more than to be a privateer. And she is stuck in class two aboard a luxury cruise airship when she learns of a mystical relic that could change the fate of the islands. And she ends up in the middle of this underworld of privateers and royalty and dark dealings and rebels as she tries to find the relic and prove that she has what it takes to be a privateer. That sounds awesome. And what inspired the book? The inspiration for the book in and of itself was um, a dream. I had this really cool dream of this world I wanted to go back to and live in. And it was so visual for me that I didn't really intend it to become a book, but then it did. Um, And reading it back, what's interesting for me is seeing um, I have OCD and seeing how that worked its way in as the evil magic piece can be seen as a fantasy version of OCD. And so now the inspiration going forward is writing books that can help teens who are struggling with mental health and struggling with reality and struggling with a very, very hard time in life um, to see their struggles played out in a fantastical world where they can slay their OCD like they would slay a dragon. I love that. And did you find it sounds like you recognized it more after you wrote it, but did you find when you were writing it that it kind of was cathartic to write the story? Definitely. Writing it was my escape from reality. It was, you know, I wrote the first draft when I was 15. And so I I was escaping from the pressures of acting and dance and life. And I wanted to slay dragons instead. You know, I grew up reading fantasy novels. I'm a huge book nerd. I love the YA genre. And so all I could think was I wasn't prepped for this. I wasn't prepped for real life. I'm, I'm, I'm prepped for fairies and magic and evil sorcerers, not taxes and bullies. Um, And so getting to escape into that world uh, for me was my way of managing real life. And so hopefully it can do that for others. I'm sure it will. And I also was curious too, did you find that your experience as an actor helped you as a writer, especially in developing your characters? Definitely. I, I mean, growing up, I used to say that I was watching movies in my eyes um, and I would literally close my eyes and watch things play out um, and really be in the minds of whatever character it was. And I think uh, my story is told in first person and being a teen of the genre and being an actor who has a hugely wild imagination, um, I was able to fully, you know, sort of become Anya to write her story. So the voice of the character is the voice of a real teen. I love that. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but that Lucky Hank is based off a book. Do you have any dreams of turning this book into like a series or a movie? Definitely. I mean, my goal as an actor now that I've moved into the writing piece is I definitely want to act in my own creations and my own stories. And I think Starts and Swashbucklers would be the best place to start. Um, solely because it's already written. It's there waiting. Um, 
obviously I, you know, wanted to be done right. So luckily I still own all the rights. I was very careful about that when I was querying publishers and agents. And I'm very lucky that I landed with a publisher that let me keep my rights um, so that I can do whatever I want with it. Well, also I was reading too, um, is this part of like a planned larger series? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have three books written. Wow. Um, first three books, I mean, book two and three need to be edited, but it's going to be seven books unless I end up deciding to write more. And I also have four spinoffs planned about the backstory of characters in the main series of the last Montmorency saga. But like I said, it takes place in the broken world. And I plan to, it's going to take me forever, but I plan to write many, many series in that world sort of detailing how the earth came to shatter and the many wars and revolutions that followed that. And I'm working through the history in reverse. So the last Montmorency saga will be the final uh, series timeline wise, even though it's the first series that I'm publishing. That's awesome. So there's a lot to look forward to. Yes. And this <laughs> Yeah. And this is a kind of a fun question too. If you could set up someone in the perfect environment to read the book, what do you imagine it looking like? I imagine it being someone on a tall ship in the middle of the ocean beneath the glittering expanse of the night sky. That sounds perfect. <laughs> That's And besides all this stuff, what can fans look forward to next? Besides all of this, um, I am working currently on book two. So although book one isn't even out yet, I am working on the second book, which will be called Nightmares and Nobility. Um, I'm hoping to have that out pretty soon after the first book's release. Um, obviously, things happen in publishing, but I want people to be able to keep going with the series without losing steam. Um, so hoping for six months out, but... No promises. Wow. <laughs> um, and outside of that, I'm constantly writing. You know, I've got a few scripts of pilots sitting on my laptop if I ever find time to pitch those. And as an actor, always auditioning, but really excited that I'm now stepping into the world of telling my own stories. That's awesome. I love that you have your hand in a little bit of everything. Yep. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and where can people follow along so they can keep up to date with all these projects? The best place to find me is Instagram. I'm on Twitter and TikTok as well, but most of my stuff happens on Instagram. I post um, a teaser every Tuesday um, from my book. So that's Lila Fitzgerald on every platform. It's just my full name. I'm very lucky I got that. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> and my last question for you is what is one quote that you have heard or that you go by that you want to echo out to the world? I think the biggest quote that I've heard that I love, it's from The Little Prince, which is my favorite book. And I'm sure everyone's heard this famous line from it. Um, it is only with the heart that one can see clearly. What is important is invisible to the eyes. And I think that's something in a world that is uh, driven by consuming and trend cycles. I think it's really important to remember that what matters is love and joy and lightness. Absolutely love that. Well, Lila, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with me. And I cannot wait to watch all the things that you have coming up and to read your new book. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to the latest episode of Echo the Podcast. 
To stay up to date with everything Echo, you can follow along on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Pinterest.